This is the Loud Pedal Podcast with Chris Stubbs and Lee Holdsworth. Well, hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Loud Pedal Podcast. Chris Stubbs with you. The next voice you'll hear is Lee Holdsworth. Lee, we're in this mini break, I guess, if you like. Where in the world are you at the moment? Hey, Stubbsy. Yeah, still on the road. I've, I've worked my way down from Townsville with the family. Road tripping, we went through uh, Airlie Beach, then to Rockhampton, Bundaberg Rum through the Rum <laughs> Distillery, which was good fun. Yeah. Walked out a little bit sideways there and then, uh, <laughs> and then down to Noosa yeah. where we are at the moment. So I head off tomorrow uh, to Salem Bend. Fantastic. Well, we've got a huge episode ahead. We've got the build-up to Bathurst, the co-driver's hub. A somewhat surprised wildcard has been announced. What is the future for Ford and Penske? Some rumours swirling around there. Scott versus SVG from TSV. We'll preview Taylor and Bend and much, much more. But they've been like Thelma and Louise lately on the road together, covering pit lane. Seven Bathurst wins between them. Craig Lowndes and Mark Larkin. How are you, boys? Oh, well done, Stubbies. And how many championships have we got between us? <laughs> Three. 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 <laughs> Three championships, seven battles. Unbelievable. <laughs> hey, Larko, it's great to have you on, mate. We've had Lowndesy on before. Uh, last year he was on with our Bathurst special. That was heaps of fun. Uh, and finally, we've got, uh, got a chance to catch up with you. So how are things up there at the farm? How are you going? Well, mate, really busy start to the day because uh, here on the farm, it's pretty dry up here, Stubbsy, at the moment. And ends up my neighbour has planted oats, right? Now, my cows just found the oats yesterday. So <laughs> as, soon as, I, as soon as I put this down, I've got to go and fix fences because for people that don't understand that, it's the equivalent of like putting a lolly jar out on the bench in a room full of five-year-olds and then leaving the room and expecting them not to touch the lollies. <laughs> well, mate, we can't see you, but you can see us. I've gone with the flannel shirt uh, out of respect to the farm for you today, mate. So uh, we're, we're certainly glad to have you here, that's for sure. Well, Stubbs, you're just talking respect, mate. I'm just keen to know I, I can actually see you. What uh, most In this sort of Zoom COVID period, right, everyone has the, the bookshelf behind them, don't they? And they put all yes, bullshit yeah. books in there that they've never read. You know, yeah. autobiographies about prime ministers and Steve Roman Jobs. emperors and all that crap, you know. <laughs> what the hell have you got going on in the back there? You have hit the nail on the head. I've got a Steve Jobs autobiography that my lovely wife gave me for Christmas that I haven't read. Well, uh, the Mandela read it, book right? that I hadn't read because they were the only books I could find when I tried to tear that up that looked half intellectual. Uh, so that's so actually peel it open a little bit. Peel it open a little further. What are those magazines I can see? <laughs> those, ones are, those ones are under the bed. Uh, that's actually the walk-in road there, believe it or not. So this is my office away from home. So it's good. Oh, I, I, I have to apologise, guys. I couldn't find a photo of myself like lounsy has got behind him. Um, I've just got a. I've just got a painting up on the wall from the hotel. <laughs> Looks like one of your paintings too. It's about, it's about as good as what I did. <laughs> hey, Lounsey, how are you, mate? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for your time. Miss you. Miss hanging out. Yeah, thanks. I like to make my own coffee this morning. We're just talking about that. It's sort of uh, not as good as yours, but uh, yeah, no, it's look. It's as you said. Like at least Larko and I can um, hit the road, and we still get to tracks and do everything yeah. else. So it's nice for that side of it. And uh, you know. We will uh, be leaving, actually, Lara and I will be leaving uh, for Adelaide on Friday. So uh, go okay. over there and, and uh, over the two weeks. You and Mark haven't had to share a room, you and Larko at all? Uh, no, no, not yet. No, he's, uh, he's still telling me stories about his bulls and uh, what he gets up to. But uh, oh, actually, why, And that's why he won't share a room with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Lee's been privy to those stories. And trust me, mate, you don't want to be. Yeah, graphic. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Pretty graphic. The things you have to do to make a cow breed, huh? <laughs> right, or a bull. Um, all right, let's get on to it. Bathurst, to build up the co-driver's hub in New South Wales and, and moving into a hub. Um, Lounsey is a co-driver in this year's race. You don't have to go in to that hub specifically, the one that the Victorians will go into, but how are you feeling about it all? Yeah, I think that look, look, everyone knows that it, uh, it's been a moving target and uh, we've been quite fortunate, obviously, Queensland base that we don't have to do that. But again, post Bathurst, everyone's still working out what to do, whether we can come back, whether we need to go back into a, uh, a like South Australia, Northern Territory or somewhere else to... Uh, to quarantine before we can come back home. But look, at the end of the day, we just want to get down there, uh, do some racing. I was actually hoping that Tail and Ben, we would have uh, a, a co-driver session, but uh, not by the looks of it. It's, uh, I think that uh, they may be allowing some drivers in the rookie session for ones that haven't really done Bathurst before. So uh, to give them some miles, but you know, 
I was actually looking forward to getting one up on uh, Garth. I know he's stuck in, in <laughs> Melbourne, so uh, I wanted to get out there and actually do some driving. <laughs> hey, Lee, what about you with uh, Michael Caruso? How, have you spoken to him? Obviously, he's, um, he's got to think about hubs and, and what he's doing as well. Yeah, yeah, I've spoken to him. He's, uh, they, there's been plenty of talk about where they might end up, whether they'll go to an island altogether, like an NRL-type hub thing up in New South Wales. But, yeah, I think he, if that was the case, I think he'd be feeling quite good about the fact that he can actually continue his training and, and actually get into the right frame of mind before he gets, it, gets there. But uh, he's definitely more excited about racing than he's ever been before after <laughs> being trapped away for so long. Sure is. Lounsey, what about your role in, in the title this year? Uh, yeah, look, it's sort of, uh, we, we did uh, the news cross not long ago, last week, and we talked about Bathurst now being the final round of the championship, also being the biggest race of the, the year as well. So it hasn't been, well, it's been a long time since we've actually concluded the championship at Bathurst, which it sort of used to be many years ago when Larko used to race, you know, back in 1800 and something. And uh, basically it's, um, uh, it's going to be put, put a lot of pressure on co-drivers because, uh, you know, with Tim Slade, um, with Scotty, uh, I think that, uh, you know, between, the, between us and, and everyone else, um, it's going to be a cracking weekend because everyone wants to win Bath. Well, I, I've always wanted to win Bathurst, so um, it's going to be one of those things that, uh, as you can see, Lola's come to join us. <laughs> <laughs> She's wondering who you're talking to, mate. Who are those drivers and the their screen? dogs? Hey, yeah, you got to do a segment of drivers and dogs. <laughs> I see Rand Randall just got himself a dog yesterday, so now Perk and him have got something in common. The labs. I just got a lab puppy the other week too, so I can't say anything about that one. But hey, Larko, for, for you, the, the spice and the build-up to Bathurst, do you remember anything quite like it? We're a long way out, and we're already talking a lot about the, the tension and the storylines. Even Shane's uh, little dig at Scott that you might have heard, Larko, uh, at the press conference in Townsville, bring up the word debris, debris. You know, there's going to be a lot going on, isn't there? I reckon there is, mate. It's, um, mm. it, I think there's going to be a fascinating one for, for several reasons, Stubbsy. You know, a, a, apart from the co-drivers being quarantined themselves, I mean, you could argue they've been quarantined from the race cars all year. So yeah. that, that in itself is going to be a, a, a really big issue. But think about this. We've come into a year where we did some fueling at Adelaide. Then we parked the fueling because of COVID restrictions and not to take as many people as we needed on the road and to restrict some of the cost that that incurs. Refueling. So we've done a year of, I guess, I, I guess tyre changes, pit stops, right? So all of a sudden we're going to go to Bathurst and we're going to be refueling teams again. You know, more people, uh, different regulations, there'll be four guns back over the line. All of that stuff's going to change. And so uh, without the ability to really run through all that like teams have, I reckon this is going to be more than ever the year of, if you can get from one end to the other, be somewhere around the pace and not make a mistake all day in the pit lane or on the track, you're half a chance. And that's, as we know in the game, easily said, but remarkably difficult to do. Yeah, I agree with that, Larko. I think that uh, event. I think if you want a year where you need a, a good, solid co-driver, um, very fast co-driver, that you want a Lounsey or you want a, a Caruso or a Slade, the names that are in there this year, uh, it's like we've never seen the quality so high. So, um, but then you've got your young, your young blokes coming in as well who are going to want to be fast, but Getting to the other end of this race, as Larko said, is going to be absolutely critical and you need some cool heads um, and, and limiting your mistakes is going to be the main thing. So, yeah, it, it's been a year of adaption, I think. You know, how quickly people can get their heads around new rules, new formats, um, you know, rolling into to Bathurst with these new, uh, you know, you, you're fueling back involved um, and, and it's going to be about who can get their heads around it the quickest and, and adapt to it as quickly as they can. It is that old saying, isn't it, that to finish first, first you have to finish and I think, yeah, you're both absolutely spot on that that's never been more so the case than at Bathurst this year. Lounsey, for you, after last year, how do you feel about the race and heading back to Bathurst? Obviously, you, you were right in the mix there at the end and all the drama and contra controversy that went on. Yeah, I suppose in hindsight, it would have been um, a good thing to know that uh, we probably shouldn't have uh, tried to run hard and fast towards the end, knowing the, the sort of safety car. But look, it's, we, yeah, we've all talked about the mistake side, but like, you know, for me, the ergonomics of the car is pretty familiar, but Jamie's steering wheel, and I actually had this conversation last night with uh, some of the boys, 
trying to get my head around that steering wheel. We, tr we trialled it at Sandown last year and I actually had a spin at turn four and I went to grab the top bit and there's nothing there. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to get my head around that side of it. Uh, I actually took a photo of it uh, last week when I was at the workshop just to get my head sort of around where the, where the layout of the, the sort of the, the steering wheel buttons are because one thing that we're going to do as co-drivers is make sure that we, as Larko said and, and Lee, that we don't make mistakes on track and... Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think that, uh, you know, the challenge is going to be on co-drivers um, to get up to speed one. Um, and as Lee said, there's a couple of young guys there that, uh, you know, have been doing Super 2 and other things that have least got uh, track miles um, compared to sort of like a GT, um, Tim Slade, myself, right, that have sort of been sitting on the sideline all year. Hey, Lancey, can you tell us what, what's the point of the steering wheel cut off at the top? What, what's Jamie, <laughs> what does Jamie get out of that? Um, um, pleasure that he's given the team pain to put to I think he's up to version six or seven now of it and like every time I go into the workshop there's another mold injection mold steering wheel and uh, the background of it is when he when he drove the Mercedes uh, the GT3 car he, he fell in love with the the squishiness like the softness of the gel sort of um, part you grab hold of and and then he went into this little phase and you know him as well as I do that he gets this fixation on something and he got <laughs> he, at some point he had every steering wheel off every GT car at the workshop and he was going through basically sitting there holding that feeling the ergonomics of it to make sure which one he wanted and then he got the team to try and reproduce it so um, I, I, I don't know he, he just said I asked him that last week about the steering wheel he just said that We'd been using the same steering wheel for, for donkey's years. I just wanted something different. Um, the, the one thing that he did say that, because I said to him, look, the good thing is it's got no bottom either. So we've got to get it in and out of the car quicker. But he did say because it actually, it, it basically doesn't uh, continue, it stops. It actually grabs on his seat, on his suit, sorry. So uh, yeah, gotta be, it's got to be interesting doing driver changes. So triple eight, it's not a, it's not a uh, seat sitting that yeah fitting that you have to do. It's a wheel session and fitting that you have oh. to go under. <laughs> hey, uh, Larko, with the the farewell of Holden uh, at the end of the year, that'll that'll be big at Bathurst, won't it? Although in some ways it'll be awkward because we know there'll still be Commodores running around last year, but Holden's direct involvement in the sport uh, won't be there like we've seen. No, it won't be. But uh, I, I guess you know um, Commodore still is going to be around next year at this stage, so. Um, I think emotional is the right word for it. I mean, mm. I'm a Ford guy, Stubbsy, but I love Holden as much as anything and, and what they've contributed to uh, uh, to our game. So, so I guess, you know, we've had a couple of big Ford years up there. We've had another, you know, this, this might be another a, a big Holden year. But again, um, I, I guess the, for the sport, it's kind of awkward too, isn't it? Because we've really got to be looking forward, mm. um, not just looking backwards. Um, and, you know, there's obviously challenges in that regard and things happening. So, um uh, I, I, you know, for me, I, as, as I said earlier, I, I'm just looking to this Bathurst. I, I just think it's going to throw up some things we haven't expected. And there's one we've just heard that Craig Lowndes can't do a lap time, anything like Jamie Wincock because he's only got half a steering wheel. And that's because <laughs> Craig drives the damn car sideways so often. He needs to move his hand on the steering wheel, which most drivers don't. All right, so <laughs> that'll be worth watching. <laughs> Hey, Lowndes, are you aware of any plans for a Holden farewell? I know there are things that the category uh, is looking to do. Uh, well, look, I'm not 100% sure, but I know that they were trying to do a, a lap of, uh, if we were racing at Winton this year, a parade lap of Holden cars and everything else, because I know that Jeff Gretsch now runs the, yes. the Winton yep. racetrack, and you know, he was very much part of my upbringing through the, the, the HRT days. So... He was quite passionate to do a, a parade lap there. Um, I Obviously, we don't go to Winton at the moment. So he's trying to now maybe carry that into Bathurst and have yeah, some cool. sort of farewell, um, which would be great. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be an end of a chapter because uh, we've talked about this at length that, you know, when, when you grow up, you want to be part of a factory team. And, and of course, I was able to be part of that at some stage. And, and to know 20 years on that this, it's going to cease to exist, it, it's... Yeah, it's going to be quite emotional to, mm. to be able to say goodbye. And, and I hope that we do do something for Holden because it's not only just the brand, it's all the people that have been involved. In, and I've been to dealerships and you talk to people that have been, you know, um, second, third generation of being involved in, in the brand throughout their life. And, and it's, it's all those people that's going to affect. And Stubbsy, sorry, can yeah. I just add there, Stubbsy, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, hearing Craig say that? I mean, 
having been a Ford guy, hand on heart, I can say we actually always lived in great envy of the Holden side because for you know for every one blue jacket or anorak in the in, in the crowd, um, you know there was probably three or four red ones. Um, so it, it is a big part of our culture, who we are, where we've come from, and, and what the sport has achieved. So. Um, you know, again, irrespective of anything I said before, I'm not one with Lange. I do hope we do something yeah. and something quite significant up there. Wouldn't it be great to see some of the great race cars that are one races up there or something like that? Lansley, have you got one, have you got a choice to drive one car, one Holden that you'd had in your career? Which one would it be just to do a lap of the mountain and wave to the crowd? If there's a uh, crowd there, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, actually, I know it's in Melbourne, so I don't know if I could get out of Melbourne, but uh, the 96 car. Um, that was obviously, you know, a special year for me, but, uh, you know, I know where the car is and it's been refurbished and it'd be nice to be able to do a lap of it. And also just to feel what it was all about again, you know, the old H pattern, um, you know, not having power steering or all the, all the, the stuff that, uh, you know, when men were men like Larko, um, not like you guys now. Full steering wheels. Hey, hey, Lounsey, steering hey wheels. I, I saw that 96 car going past enough, mate. I want, I want to see it one more time. <laughs> I was going to say, Lounsey, I'll bring it up. You, you've driven to the track plenty of times with me. You'd trust me in that, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't own it, so I go to the It's insured, I'm sure. Hey, uh, Lee, you would have been stoked to see GRM, uh, that they're coming back at, Hopefully, it's going to be more than just this one wild card at Bathurst, but this is really cool for the sport, right? Yeah, 100%. I'm so, I think it's fantastic to see Gary and Barry bring back their team to the grid um, and, in true GRM style, bring in two young blokes for another opportunity. We haven't, we, you know, we've lost that in, in the sport, I think. So to have Gary come back is, is awesome. Um, but there's nothing like throwing two young blokes in the oh. deep end. <laughs> but I tell you what, I, I think that Gary's been waiting for an opportunity, or more so Barry now, um, to, to jump back in. Uh, they're, they're waiting to push the, push the button, I think, because they're waiting for the sport to uh, become more um, uh, financially viable. And, and I think with the way that this year has gone, we've, we've reduced a lot of costs, and it's probably... Um, reinvigorated their their interest in the sport so yeah to see him come back i hope it sparks something for him and, and i hope to see him back on the grid full time lounsey what's your advice to tyler everingham and nathan hearn they haven't even raced a supercar yet let alone at mount panorama for oh, bloody hell oh it, it's a um, a massive undertaking but as lee said like it's great to see grm you know they've always you know helped the young people get a start in motorsport, which has been always fantastic for Lee. Um, you know, I always joke with Jamie because they sacked Jamie after 12 months and uh, look what he ended up being. So, uh, but it's, uh, it's one of those things that long as that they've got someone around them that can guide them through the, the process, like it, it's a big week. It's, it's the, it's for me, when I first went there, I, you know, and I still remember it, I was struggling until Brock sat me down and spoke to me around the track and where to look for and how to position the car and how to flow it. Um, up until then, I was I was uh, I was like a duck. It looked all nice up the top, but I was pedalling like hell underneath. And um, you know, it, it's it's a massive undertaking. But long as they take it step by step, because uh, it takes two to three years to at least get your head around the track. So to have an opportunity, it's fantastic. But just hopefully that you know they they embrace it, but they have good guidance along the way. Larko, is it is it dangerous in any way to to throw the guys in, or they'll be they'll be right with a plenty of practice time on the opening day or two? Well, I guess for any race driver to go to a racetrack, it, it, it is what it is. Every racetrack's uh, dangerous. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an enormous task. Um, I'm with the other guys. I'm just wrapped to see Gary and Barry back on the pit lane, and I, I hope they can find a way back uh, to the sport. Just to segue for a moment, I mean, Gary Rogers, for many, many years on the board of supercars, has always been a proponent for uh, cost-saving and making the sport uh, more cost-effective, cheaper, etc. And... I guess in, in, in many ways, there's not too many positives coming out of COVID. And I sympathise with it, particularly Victorians locked in their houses down there. Um, but um, one of the things that has come out is, you know, and I guess for a lot of business, in, including ours, it's, it's going to force us to look at the costs uh, of going racing. And that's exactly what's happening. So if that's the carrot for Gary and Barry to have another look, I reckon that's fantastic. For the young guys up there, you know, as Craig said, I... I to add to that, I think they've got to go there with a mindset. They need some mentoring, certainly, to say um, this, this is not about speed. This is about getting to the other end. But, 
But sadly, or the reality is when you take young blokes to Bathurst, the spotlight is on them. So there's a propensity to want to show speed. So with yeah. that comes great risk. So someone needs to be around them to manage that basically every time they get in the car because there's no way good young kids like that are going to jump into a car, go to Bathurst first time and be anywhere remotely near the pace. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, talking about the future of the sport and cost saving, et cetera, there's been rumours around that the, the three of us or four of us would have heard since very early in the year. I think the first time it was put to me was at uh, the 12-hour back in February that, that Penske won't be part of the sport next year. Auto Action was the latest to run with the rumour. Ryan's story denies it. and We were hoping to get Ryan on this week, but he was unavailable. He's a great friend of the show, so we look forward to hearing uh, his view and, and what he can say about this situation uh, soon, just to knock it on the head, hopefully. But if Penske was to leave, what would this mean for the for the sport? Like, are you the, the Ford guy? What he's achieved um, in his time he's been here in the bar that, that he's raised has been quite incredible, hasn't it? It has. But, um, you know, I mean, none of us know what that final decision is, yeah. whether he comes or goes or anything different. And, you know, for me, Stubbsy, the sport's always got to be bigger than any single team. So, you know, they can come and go as, as, as they wish if the rules suit them or don't suit them. That's, that's kind of how, it's, how it needs to be. But they will leave a legacy on the sport if they do go, very much like the way Craig Lance just said. So HRT were the benchmark team for many, many, many years that dragged us all up in terms of presentation, professionalism, how you went about the game. Then along comes, you know, Red Bull, Triple Eight Racing. You know, I'd argue they lifted it then to another level. Then along comes Penske. They lift it to another level. And, and on it goes. So, um, you know, whether here or not, I mean, I think they, they leave a great legacy. I, I, I sincerely hope they start because I do think uh, they have added another, you know, another level to our team. But, but can I say, I do salivate. I do salivate on the thought of what a championship would like if, um, you know, Red Bull and Shell went over there and, and, and DJR just went over there and raced by himself for a couple of weekends. <laughs> and what, what, what a race day might look like. <laughs> it's a bit like uh, Formula One, isn't it? With, without, uh, without Mercedes at the front of the pack, yeah. it's a pretty bloody good race. <laughs> hey, Craig, well, for you, being part of the, the Red Bull family, to have the arch rival, and, and what a great rivalry it's been over the last few years. We've thrived on it, all of us. Um, to have them disappear, we hope it's not the case. But if it is, that, that would really take away that, that element. Someone would step in and fill the void, I'm sure. But... Yeah, look, same as Larko. I think that the sport's got to be bigger than individual. And, I, and he's right, though. Like, it's lift. I know internally in Red Bull how frustrating it's been for them because they've dominated for such a long time in the sense of, you know, car speed and being able to, you know, to, to, to basically win races. And then you've got a team come along like Penske. Uh, and it's also proven that you can grab a team, like any team, as long as you've got the good infrastructure in there and you've got a good leadership you can turn it all around and, and to see where DJR was say five years, six years ago to where they are now. Uh, it's been a massive turnaround and it's been great because it's, it has, again, like I said, like it's kicked everyone in the, in the backside to, to, to look professional, not only on track, but off track, the way we all behave. Uh, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I've, I've interviewed both Fabian and, and Scotty at times and uh, you know, they've, they've been paranoid about only having a sort of a top half, filming because now they haven't got their shirts tucked in and if they don't have their shirts tucked in they're going to get in trouble by the boss and but it's good about that it's just all that routine and also the, the discipline that has now come into the to that team as well not just being you know basically uh you know 20 years ago where you're running around in a t-shirt and shorts and then you go racing mm. like it, it's, it's just brought a whole new wave of um professionalism into mm. as i said not only on track but off track Stubbsy, do you mind if I just throw in another point that I think you know the listeners would be interested in? Um, I mean, not being a driver, I've been fortunate enough to go into all the all the workshops around the country, and I've spent you know my fair share of time in the DJRTP workshop. And I think we should always remember whether Roger comes or goes, that doesn't mean the team uh, doesn't remain. And and so a couple of things I would say: don't underestimate um, Ryan's story and yes. his intimate knowledge of the sport. It's much deeper than a lot of people appreciate. Um, but it's been wonderful to watch. One of the things I've loved most about what Penske has done here is he, when he first engaged with the team, we all expected they were going to put a whole bunch of American engineers and clever cats on the floor here. 
that's and, and parts would be coming in boxes from overseas. That's not the case at all. It's the same faces that have always or were there beforehand, right? What changed was the culture. And not to say it was a bad culture before, but the culture in there is brilliant. You go in there, yeah, sure, they love winning, but I've seen a lot of stuff. It's a, it's a professional, happy place to be, incredibly clean. And the thing that really got me not long after they'd engaged with Penske, they were building one of the new cars. And the boys have seen, we've all done it, when you rivet panels on, any good engineer or mechanic can sort of eyeball about, you know, 75 mil between two rivets. No, not on those cars. They were measuring 75 millimetres between rivets. You know, it was, it was that level of accuracy and detail. And I thought, well, if they're doing that to the rivets, mm -hmm. I can only imagine what's going on in all the other areas of preparation. And I think that is the Penske way. So if he... Yeah does go, I'm sure that culture largely, um, you know, maybe without him as leader, yeah, I get that, but the culture of preparation, um, no reason that can't remain. Mm, so not only inch perfect, but um, millimetre perfect. And as you said, Ryan's story, that is the suggestion that, that he would he would remain. Uh, Ludo Lacroix obviously have got the talent that, that he is, uh, and not to mention a couple of pretty handy drivers at the moment. Lee, you want to jump in there? Yeah, I, I mean, the thing that stands out to me the most with these uh, with with Team Penske is the pride uh, that they take in their work, and and I remember when they first came in, the first thing that we saw was how they cleaned up the floor. You know, there wasn't a speck of dust on the floor. the the tool The tools are all put away. You don't see tools on the bench in the uh, in the garage. You know, sprayed all over the place. That they really take a lot of pride in their work and that filters down through everything they do. It's not just, you know, presentation is one thing, but when you look good and you, and, and you feel good, you tend to do well as well. So I think they've, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they've left a mark on the sport that um, like Lounsey and Larko have said, it's left, uh, it, it's raised the game, it's raised the bar and, and now, you know, everyone will continue at that level until someone else raises the bar again. Look good, feel good, play good, uh, common saying in, in AFL circles. Um, Lounsey, for, for you, um, I think you wanted to add something as well, but I will ask you, Scotty yep. McLaughlin, should, should he jump now if Penske is to go and, and jump on that um, boat and sail over to the States, even if there's no guaranteed drive, if that opportunity is there? Well, I think that the first thing is he's now entrenched into the, the, the Penske family. So he's, he's definitely got the opportunity now to be able to open up doors in other places, mm. you know, whether it's, you know, NASCAR, whether it's IndyCar, uh, you know, Roger's got, uh, you know, a great um, platform basically of all styles of cars, even, even like the sort of Le Mans prototype style um, over there and, and everything else. So I think it's, if he's got the, uh, ambition to go over and do other things he needs to do it i think that you you'll only regret it if you don't go over um you know you know myself like i would have loved to a second year when i when i went over there but you know it never was to happen but i don't regret not least trying um mm. you know we saw ambrose mark weber you know even dan ricardo like you know if you've got ambitions you need to to, to follow them and if uh, you know if it doesn't happen, um, <clears throat> the worst he can do is come back to Australia and continue on where he's at right now. So the one thing I was going to add to the Penske side of it is um, everyone's just probably going to think, well, okay, he brought in a whole truckload of, of cash, and that's being able to, to give him the wins. Like, and I, I, I go back to what Larko said: the culture in the team and the faces there they haven't changed. And I and uh, and I'm not going to. Well, I am going to say like the Erebus side of it. You know, when Betty came into the sport. We know that she invested a lot of money into that team, but that didn't provide her any extra wins or didn't do anything else. I think it's more the culture and the way that that team has been running has definitely turned things around. If you were Anton, like I might put this one to you, would you go to DJR still then without the Penske backing? It's obviously from what the collective has just said now, it's, it's still a great team to go to regardless. It's a really hard question, isn't it? Um, Stubbsy, I mean, uh, you know, and let's assume Scott, goes because I mean just can I just look at that one from the yeah, other side yeah. just be Roger Penske for a minute you've got this Kiwi Aussie kid that's absolutely the duck's guts you know he's a, he really is um, and you put him in an Indy car blew everyone away in a test um, what are you going to do you know I mean I reckon you know that, that answers its own question without me uh, knowing where he you know what's written on a piece of paper mm. um, but yeah look for, for Anton it's uh 
it's a hard one because he's in a home now where he's kind of, um, you know, at the moment I probably feel a bit more for Davey in the in the Erebus team. Obviously, he's missed Alistair. He's uh, he's engineer. We've showed you on uh, in the telecast a couple of times. He has him there on uh, on a Zoom uh, meeting in, in at the end of every session. But uh, that's hurting Dave. But it seems to me that Anton's probably a bit more relaxed in there at the moment. So I think whether or not any decisions are made there, I don't know. But, you know, there's plenty of conjecture around it. Um, you know, <laughs> there is no yes or no to this one. I, I, until you know what that team's... I mean, let's say Roger does go. There's no guarantee Brian Story's going to stay there. Who, who do we... How do we know? I mean, mm. none of us know. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, that's a hard one to prod, mate. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Some fascinating conversations taking place in the background this weekend at Tail and Bend. I'm sure, as there would have been for a, for a few weeks now. Also, reports this week that that Ford uh, have some concerns about about their future. They want clear competition. We know there's a lot going on with Gen Three and this evolution that we're going through at the moment. They want other manufacturers to test themselves again. They don't want a car that's full of control parts. They want that technical development. That's the whole reason that we're here. And they've seen what they've been able to do with, with the Mustang. And Lark, I might go to you on this one again, sorry, as our Ford correspondent, but uh, is that fair enough that they would have that view and have those demands from the sport? Or is it a bit of grandstanding or, or should we be concerned? What do you think? Probably a little both. I mean, just yeah. for the benefit of the, of the listeners, Stubbsy. I mean, so what happens when a manufacturer comes along? We have what's called a homologation process. And the biggest and most important part of that is the aerodynamic homologation. So forever, teams have been playing the games. And Lance, you know, I mean, Scafie tells me great stories about when they were doing it with Holden. I've been involved with it with Ford, uh, where you go away and you try and, um, you know, do as many little cute tricks and have, have things up your sleeve that after the powers that be go, okay, that's got the right amount of aerodynamic downforce and drag, then you manoeuvre away from that test and, try and then exploit what else you know about the car for its performance. Now, nothing illegal about that. And Ford did a brilliant job with the Mustang. That, that cannot be argued. It was legal. It was right. Um, but when they put on the racetrack, the, the, the length and breadth of adjustment they had with it in terms of its rake and ride height and what it did in yaw and squat, all the rest of it was just fabulous. I mean, they did a really good job. So they had to pull them back, as we know. Um, now, I guess Ford are really saying here, or Mark Rushbrook saying that, yeah, that's part of their DNA. They want to homologate the car for obvious reasons. So I'm sure there's going to be a bit of a headbutt. I also completely understand the support where supercars are at saying, no, 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 we want to homologate the cars. We want to now take control of that process. So that will sort of, and, and one of the reasons they're doing that, which is a very bloody good reason, is to, is to actually say to other potential manufacturers, when you come and play our game, hey, don't worry about spending all your money on aerodynamic homologation and engine development, all that stuff that doesn't really matter. What you need to be good at is what I call brand marketing or badge marketing. You know, let's just use, let's just say it's Kia. So put your Kia badge on the front. Everyone will wear a Kia motorsport hat now. Shows the world you compete. But what we're going to do is we're going to make it really easy for you to be competitive. So don't worry about employing aerodynamics. We'll do that. So I reckon there's middle ground here stuff. You know, I reckon you should, if I was, supercars, I'd be saying, well, if that's going to be a deal breaker for Ford, we're going to tighten up the homologation rules. We're going to give you much, much less to play with. But if you want to do it, knock your socks off. But you really aren't going to be able to move outside the box much. Maybe they could do something like that. Do you think that, uh, that Ford and Penske may be sharing the same view on this about the control parts? You know, Penske may be able to see that's where we're heading. And, and, and they like the technical side. Is that, could that be a, a reason that, that Team Penske are looking at uh, you know, uh, getting out of the sport? Well, it's one of the reasons they play, isn't it? I mean, they, they are a manufacturing engineering type team, aren't they? Very much like Roland Dane said to me many, many years ago, uh, first and foremost, he's an engineering company. Uh, he goes racing to display uh, and promote his wares. And Lee, as you know, I mean, you'd look around. Roland told me, I think it was two years ago, I think at that point he had like 44 cars out there. Now, they'd be probably mm. had another half a dozen of that at least. He would have more than 50 cars out there that all need servicing, engineering, components, ongoing stuff. That's a great business. Mm. Um, not that Penske's into so much customer car, but he's a great business guy. So the technical challenge, yeah, Lee, that, that's absolutely right. But this is the Australian market. We don't have a volume of cars now in this country that's sold that can want to war warrant manufacturer money 
at the volumes we've enjoyed in the years gone past. So the sport now needs to mould, and this is where supercars are at, and I love it. It needs to mould into a sport where Truck Assist is the sponsor, where Super Cheap is the sponsor, where Penrider is the sponsor, where all of those high street sponsors can prop up the sport without the need for volumes of manufacturer money. So what we need from manufacturers is the sign off on the use of their IP, the look of their car. Um, but you know what? Save your money. Go and employ Lounsey and some grid girls and some pop plants and some chrome wheels for the truck and make the show better. Well, the good news is that we had Ryan Walkinshaw on the other week and he said that they've got a manufacturer that's uh, close to being signed, sealed, delivered for 22 or 23. And Roland Dana said that they're sorted with a manufacturer for 2022. So, Lounsey, have you flicked through the papers on Roland's desk? Who have, who have you guys got for the future? I'd love to know, Stubbs. You know, I'd, I'd actually tell you. The only thing I'm, I'm worrying about is that he's spending a lot of time at the moment in the uh, Hyundai XL series. Yes. <laughs> we've spent <laughs> numerous amount of time building yeah. roll cages. I think we've up to about yeah. eight or nine of them at the moment. Yeah. Um, Jess Dane owns one. There's a few that... that uh, so, yes, yeah, so it could be the new... Uh, when Larka does his Hino Hub, when he, he did that Mustang into the uh, A9X... Um, it could be into a Hyundai a little special. Hyundai with a set of flares on or a couple of wings around here with Mr Bean well, driving it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it, if you saw Roland driving around Townsville, you look like Mr Bean. But the question actually I had for Larko was, the, we know the next year the cars are not going to change too much fundamentally because of, you know, obviously time constraints and everything else. But with the next Gen 3 car comes along, and it'd be interesting to see what Lee thinks of this as well. Are we looking at the aerodynamics the wrong way in the sense, you know, we've got these big massive rear wings, we, we, drivers complaining about the aero wash. Um, are we, do we look at instead of being, you know, the aerodynamics being on top of the cars, being underneath the car, like a flat floor or something that we can, we can generate the downforce, but in a different way that we can actually then follow cars and have more passing opportunities when we go into Gen 3, this next generation car? Well, yeah, well we've already, so you go Lee, you go mate. No, well, I was just going to, I 100% um, think that you're on, you're on the right path there, Lounsey, with that thought, because I've had the same thought. And if you look at the way that Formula One and IndyCar are heading, they, they're actually, they're heading in that same direction where they're trying to get their downforce from, they're getting more downforce from the floor so that you can follow, you don't have that dirty air coming off the rear wing. Um, if, we can, if we can achieve that, and it's probably a huge cost, I imagine, um, but I, I think that's definitely the way of the future. Um, the only problem is we're whacking curbs. We're, we're hitting, you know, we're, we're hitting a lot more uh, bumps and, and curbs than those open wheeler cars are. So whether we'd have to change the floor pans all the time, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I, I think it, I, I think you got a really valid point there with the way we head with the sport. Um, we certainly need to look at the aerodynamics side. That's the number one thing that we need to uh, get right for, for better racing. And um, that but, might but just guys, be the way. Don't, don't you agree? I mean, at the end of the day. Um, we should be talking less about aero. Um, and I'm not saying that you're proposing more, but at the end of the day, we've already started to take some aero off the cars. Um, and they did what they could this year without actually having to spend money on uh, devices. So that's why I saw some trimming of the front under trays and some gurneys and bits and pieces change, which was good. But the future for Gentry surely, um, well, you know, the, the tip is it will be, will be less aero. I hope, actually hope it's substantially less aero, but, but only in concert with um, saying to Dunlop, who, who, who have this remarkable capability, Stubbsy, to provide us whatever sort of tyre we need. So, you know, often when we talk about a tyre degrades really quickly or whatever, that's not because the tyre's got anything wrong with it, because we want it that way. But what we've learned, and, and I've even learned, mate, over the years, I, I once was a proponent for hard tyres to make drivers make mistakes, but what you see when that happens is drivers drive to the tyre. When you give tyres uh, drivers a, a, a grippy tyre, as we've seen with you know, the emergence of soft and then super soft, they have a crack. So I would like to see a world where we have substantially less aero, substantially more tyre grip that degrades really quickly. So you're backed into, into strategic decisions in the race to do multiple tyre strategies because you're going to go like a dog shot up the arse for a moment and then in a moment you're not. Um, and uh, but but I, I think uh, so, so cars can follow more closely, so drivers don't enjoy the benefit of downforce. I mean, worldwide the racing racing and motorsport has suffered because we haven't been able to control ourselves as a sport 
in terms of technology and the increasing emergence and sophistication of aerodynamics and aeromaps design in wind tunnels. And here we are trying to unwind it. Funny that. Well, Marco, yourself and, and Lounsey in particular would have seen so many reincarnations of this sport going back to, to Group A's, BMW's, Volvo's, whatever else we've seen o over the years. And I don't know that there's many sports that eat their own like, like this one. There's so much competition and, and politics and, and negativity at times around the sport. But we're just about to announce a, a brand new TV rights deal. The ratings are great. It's going to be a nice long deal. You know, look at other sports at the moment like rugby, a-League, you know, where they've really struggled. There's a massive thirst for this sport. And yes, this is a critical time in it in ensuring that the future is right. But it's not the end of the world. This is actually quite an exciting opportunity for the sport, right? Oh, absolutely it is. I, I, mate, I, I think a lot of it happens the nature of the beast because we're a bit unique in this sport, aren't we? The, 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 the team owners are those that rise to the top and typically have the loudest voice. They end up representing on boards all the rest of it. So it's kind of an odd dynamic we have in our sport. And, and the other thing I'd add, Stubbsy, is the nature of motorsport, because it's a technical game at the end of the day, is that our rules change. So we've got, you know, like 600 pages of rules that change every, every, every year substantially because they need to, where if I follow AFL, there's those four little white posts at the end of the field, right? And if I kick it in the middle of the two big ones, I get six. If I miss, I get one. And that hasn't changed forever. Now, even myself, mate, I could open up the rules book every week and remind, oh, gee, can you, gee, can you, I can't remember, can you grind the front disc anymore? What pads and yeah. compound is it this week? What's the format, all the rest of it? And that's not a criticism, it's just how the game is. So as a result of that, those sports are obviously influenced by different participants on both the commission and the board. Some of those people, you know, teams don't agree with some of that stuff. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a real, I mean, it's a perfect recipe for hotheads and a bit of, a bit of conjecture, but hey, Stubbsy, you wouldn't be making all the money uh, rolling out all that new stuff <laughs> if we didn't have all the conjecture, mate. You are on it. You are on it. Always have been. The storylines keep us ticking over, don't they? Keep That's some it, of mate. us in, employed, Lounsey. To add to that, like, again, it's interesting to see what Lee thinks of it. The, the lack of the data that you actually extract out of the cars at race weekends, it's now come back to that little bit of an old school driver input. Engineer has to believe the driver. Um, that relationship now is, is, and it's been fascinating to watch up and down the lane, how that opera, how those teams are operating. As Larko said, like, I think Davey Reynolds is probably the worst out of it because he hasn't got his engineer there that he, he can do, have that relationship with. Um, so I think that's been a good change as well this year is, is that, that limited access to the data um, and also the limited per person or personnel as, as teams. Like, you know, I've, I've been into Red Bull a number of times and basically, you know, the, 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 I'm not going to name names, but the, the mechanics are getting frustrated because they have, they've got a shorter window to get cars turned around with less people. There's more pressure on them. Yeah, 100%. I think the, the hardest thing for the sport is we always want to be seen to be going forward. And that's why we've got to the stage we have with, with the aero. Like Larko said, now we're trying to unwind all that stuff. Uh, we're trying to take data away. And, and we're, we've been forced to do that this year. Um, and I think it's been really good for the sport. Like, um, you know, Lounsey touched on the data side. That has been really good. I think that uh, it, it really brings out the, the relationship between engineer and driver. I know Alistair, um, from what I saw of him when I was at Walkinshaw and he was on James Courtney's car, Alistair Reynolds is engineer. He's, he's very much relies on, on looking at data and tuning the car to the data. And, um, and obviously, you know, it hasn't been ideal for Davey not having uh, Alistair with him, um, but, but not, not having that, um, that data as well, I think, is heard as well. So, hey, Lee, can yeah. I just add to that? Sorry, mate, it's an interesting point. Um, I spoke to a, I won't name him, but a really senior engineer on the pit lane at Townsville. And he said, for him, really hasn't made a difference. Because as you know, mate, I mean, you sit and look at it with your engineer, the key mm. things are still there, right? Your speed trace, your throttle trace, your brake trace, the things that drivers and engineers fundamentally always looked at. So Stubbsy, uh, just to go back to my point earlier, so, so the point he was making was, so basically we didn't need all this crap we've had for the last 10 years, right? So, but the sport somehow just, how did it feed itself into that position that it got all that other stuff that it really looks like it didn't need anyway, which... That's, that's the point I was trying to make earlier. Formula One is the worst at it. We, kinda, we can't help ourselves. And then we find our spot. And again, I go to Formula One again. I, I do an endless amount of work 
Um, firstly, they were doing work to try and make the cars noisy again after they made them quiet a couple of years ago. Go figure. Um, <laughs> and now they can't make them race near each other because they've given them so, so much downforce by their own doing. Go mm. figure. You know, it's bizarre. Yeah, and that's what I think, obviously I'm biased, but MotoGP has got such a great uh, level playing field and the, the thrill is still very much in the hands of the rider, not so much the bike controlling the rider. And when they've talked this week about perhaps being in radio comms, there's been such a, a kickback against it, people wanting to leave it as a more pure form of the sport. Um, guys, we'll bounce along to Tail and Bend. We're using both circuits, um, International First at 4.95 Ks and the West Circuit at 3.41. Lee, to you, you, you like this idea? You're happy with this and, and welcoming it? Yeah, at first, I, I suppose I've got a different opinion about it now after okay. looking at the layout of the circuit. I think that, that it could throw up some challenges for that second weekend. Even in, even in terms of car setup, you, you, we've taken out for the second weekend, the West Circuit doesn't run the, the triple right-hander, high-speed um, triple right-hander, where you very much rely on your aero and your high-speed balance. So the second weekend on the West Circuit is, is much more of a low-speed circuit, low-speed corners. Um, I think it's going to throw up some challenges. So, yeah, I think that's... Um, that's going to be great. You know, obviously Deg doesn't change too much between the two circuits. Um, but yeah, that, it's about as good as they could have done, I think, um, for, for the format for those two weekends. Is there any tuning up for Bathurst that, that can be done at a, at a circuit that's, that's so, so different, I guess, in, in many ways to Mount Panorama, do you think? Well, I, I think in some ways it's, it's quite similar. You know, you, it is a quite a high speed flowing track similar to Bathurst. So, um, you know, we're hoping that, that we get a really good direction this weekend uh, for our Bathurst car. So, you know, we've been piecing together a bit of a puzzle the last couple of weekends. Hasn't, hasn't gone to plan, but we've certainly learnt a lot about the car and, um, and hoping this weekend we, we can put it all together and then head to Bathurst with a lot of confidence. Hey, speaking of uh, Townsville, we didn't touch on it. We said we would. Uh, Scott versus Shane. Now, that was... Was that game on all, all good? And, and Scott, yes, you'd, you'd be a bit pissed off about it, but, but move on? Or, or where do we sit on that one? Lindsay, you're smiling away there. <laughs> <laughs> what was your take? Uh, it was always going to happen. Like, there's no doubt that uh, at the end of the day, uh, Jamie needs to keep beating Scotty to take points off him. Um, Shane was in a great position. He had better tyre quality. He was always going to pass Scotty at some point. And basically... It was, it was hard. It's hard to orchestrate what happened, but you could see it coming. Yeah. So I, I was a little bit, I suppose, surprised that Scotty didn't see it coming um, in sense of just letting let Shane go by. Um, his biggest focus was more of Jamie anyway. Um, and then, of course, you know, Scotty's come out in the press afterwards and had a bit of a whinge about it. But you, you can't start throwing stones when you <laughs> see what happens at Bathurst. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, mate, I, well, well, I reckon Lounsey is way smarter than all of us. I didn't see that coming off. I reckon that was utterly brilliant. I really do. That's, I'm going to have a bit of a closer look at it this weekend in the telecast. I, I just think, um, you know, we're going to have a bit of a chat about uh, um, Beto and, and his role in some of these decisions we've seen, which I support. I mean, we've, we've had a real culture of, of play on in our sport. And I support that. I think it's been a game changer the last couple of years. You know, we've, we've slowly got rid of, uh, you know, we, we rarely see a, a pit lane drive through anymore and some of those, you know, where the penalty didn't fit the crime. So I want to have yeah. a bit of a closer look at that, Stubbsy. There's the little plug for the telecast this weekend. Good boy. Good. Pino Hub. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I want to have a look at that. Mate, I just, I, I just sat there watching and I thought that was just brilliant. And, and I reckon it, it captures everything Roland's always said about Shane Van Gisberg and, you know, Sometimes he's a hard guy to read, but one thing he has got, he's got this remarkable, uncanny, street-smart racer savvy going on. That, that, you know, and Craig, Craig knows that. You know, he's, he's seen it first, Ed. Craig's got it himself, but Shane has it in bucket loads. And, and I reckon no better evidence of it than right there. I, mate, seriously, I, I, I just reckon it's a cracking, cracking clever move. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a true typical Shane move in my opinion. Like he's he's I, there's nothing illegal about it whatsoever what he did, but it was it was cheeky, um, sneaky, and and yeah, smart. Like he 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 played the team game, and what it, what it shows me is it's a true display of how well Triple Eight play the team game. Mm. You know, they they really help each other out when they need to, and uh, 
And, and that's what it was all about. You know, Shane's trying to help Jamie win this championship because he knows that he's too far, too far out of reach to do it at this stage. Should there have been a, a multi-21? In, in all seriousness, if, <laughs> if Jamie misses out on the title by a couple of points and, and if he had have been let in front, that could have won in the title. I mean, they're all ifs, what to maybe's, but Larko, should, should they have done it or considered it? Uh, you know what? I, I, call me a fool. Um, I, I actually don't reckon Jamie liked to win a championship that way. Yeah, okay. one, one thing that I admire most about Jamie Winkup, we've seen him throw away a couple of Bathurst where he's kind of almost unplugged the radio, hasn't he? Or not regard, regard... Safety car, or not worrying about his fuel meter, or whatever, because it's win or bust. Yeah. And 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 you know, we we we, we touched on this two town at the first Townsville. Uh, every time in the telecast, or we do something in the hub about who's our best ever, it always gets everyone really fired up. And sorry, just to segue for a minute, but there's a reason that on paper he is our best ever, and we'll never get to know if Scott McLaughlin does go. Could Scott have been our best ever? Because at this point of time, at the equivalency of championship, obviously um, Scotty's stats are up on 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 mm. uh, Jamie's. But by every measure, and, and we've done it, Stubbsy, you know, the amount of times you line up to start a race versus how many you won, how many been on the podium, how many championships you've won, how many battles you've won, and most importantly, how many people you competed against to win that. So whilst Moff and Brock have got some great records, some outstanding records, Craig Lowndes, when I did it a couple of years ago, had competed against the highest depth of quality in that, you know, how many other people that you race against have actually won a race. Um, but, but when you put all that together in one big matrix and stir it out, there's a bloke that spits out that wins by a mile, it's Jamie Winker. And the reason is it's win or nothing. So to go to your point, mate, I don't reckon he'd been been for the multi 21. Okay. I'm, again, I might be wrong, but I, I, I think he'd rather win it on merit. So you shook your head. You, you agree there with, with Mark that he wouldn't want to win it that way. Yeah, no, and I, I think there was no doubt that uh, you know the, the main focus was getting Jamie in front of Scotty. It did that, um, and I think, and I know Roland like he'll want the two guys to race to the checkered flag. Shane had better quality car at the end of the end of the race. It would have been, I reckon, worse or put a bad taste in everyone's mouth if they'd done that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was cheeky enough for what Shane did, and I agree with what the comments are. Like, you know, that's just Shane. He was always going to do that, but once that whole like passing it happened really at the end of the day roller doesn't care which red bull car wins as long as one yeah. of them wins and yeah. so, you know shane deserved the win all right guys we'll, we'll move it along because we're almost out of time oscar piastri how cool was that to see lee i know you're you're a big fan you were really really inspired by that right yeah he's uh, he's done incredible things this year and well all throughout his career really and and for me i just i'm excited to see where he goes next but uh, that last race was <laughs> everything was on the line, and he threw everything at it. And you know he wasn't there just to just to roll around. He even made a pass over the finish line. So um, yeah, it was it was awesome to see. And and to have an Aussie coming up through the ranks um, like him with with Mark Webber's support. Um, and Mark's already come out and said he's he's outdone him already. He's um, was his statement, I think. So um, he's he's on for big and huge things, I think, in his career. Larko Lounsey, likewise, you, you would have been very impressed with what you saw. Oh, I think FIA, F3, people need to understand you win that championship. That That is the championship that an aspiring Formula One needs to win. Formula mm -hmm. One driver needs to win. You know, it used to be the British F3 championship that sort of emerged and morphed into the FIA F3 championship over years. And so to win that is great. And I think also, Stubbsy, for any young kids at home that have aspirations of Formula One, like many do, you know, you've got to look at Oscar's, you know, career path to understand very much like uh, Danny Ricardo's. You know, you, you're really sad as it might be. You've got to get out of Australia early, get on your bike, get over there, maybe when you're at the top of your karting game and get on with it in Europe. That's really what you've got to do. You know, and even he went through the Middle East, but, but they do, you know, they do uh, Formula Renault, they do Euro Cup, they do the junior category against yep. tough competition on circuits throughout Europe. So you're well geared when you've got to step up to FIA F3. Uh, to do the job. So well done on his career choices and career path. And now really well done on winning that championship. He's on his way. And what, what a track, Mugello track. It's, it's a beautiful, like I've raced there and it's uh, it's amazing track to have that. And then to, to see where he qualified and knowing that his guys, his competitors are in front of him, as Lee said, like he's just his, uh, I, I suppose, mental strength to be able to overcome where he was and to be able to win a championship. I think as Larko said, it's always really tough in the junior ranks. You've got so many budding 
young people that are keen, eager, and put everything on the line to, to win a championship. And if you've got that under your belt and on your CV, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a huge credit. Like that's now, you know, I'm hoping that, he, you know, with Weber and everything else, that he gets an F1 test. Well, fingers crossed. And speaking of F1, finally it was a race worth waiting up for. Um, I mean, the one the week before where uh, Hamilton didn't win was also not too bad. But what about our man, Michael Massey? Him and Hamilton <laughs> having a public scrap. Go, Michael. I tell you Go what, you Massey. wouldn't want to. I reckon Massey with uh, that Italian streak and him and those rosy red cheeks, you <laughs> can get it. <laughs> what do you reckon, Michael? Oh, outstanding. Oh, mate. Well, I'd back Michael in every day of the week. I mean, we all know Michael well. He's a really good operator and no surprises yeah. he's end up landing in the, the role he is. But, you know, I watched that restart that, you know, him and Lewis are having the headbutt over and Lewis is accusing him of putting him in danger and all the rest of yeah. it. But um, at, at the end of the day, they, they've changed their real stubs. You know, I reckon what's happened is probably a few forgot. I, I know, you remember Baku a couple of years ago where they all had those crashes on the restarts? Because Formula One used to, if I'm right, they used to have their restarts commencing at the corner there was a line sort of at the corner coming onto the straight if you like but like us they now can't overtake until they get to the start finish line right so the, the, the safety car lights have gone out just like they do in our world i mean go back to darwin a few weeks ours was exactly the same uh, lights go out safety car peels off they come around and they can't overtake um uh the 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 leader of the race has control of the speed of the race. He can do what he wants. So there's a whole bunch of guys behind that got excited and took off. I yeah. mean, it's really as simple as that. So I, I, I really don't know what Lewis is banging on about. I love that Michael said, well, we've just had other races with similar things where the kids exactly. in F3 can do it. So why can't you guys? <laughs> um, but good on Massey. I mean, for him to have that, he's not intimidated. He doesn't care. He's backing himself and he, he has full confidence in the fact that he's there and his number one priority is Well, safety. mate, he's been working around Scafie half his life, so geez, I reckon he's been pretty well trained. <laughs> there a few headbutts there, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lousy, you were going to say? Uh, I, I was just thinking of the arrogance of Lewis. Like, yeah, like, I appreciate his ability, what he does as a driver, but then the arrogance of taking it off track and then, you know, fronting up uh, to Michael like that. Like, it's... Sure, sure, you've got concerns as a driver and, and the safety is always in, in your front of mind but for everyone, like Massey and everyone else. But just the arrogance to be able to do that and, mm. uh, you know, get out of the car and, you know, basically do what he did. Um, I thought that was quite arrogant of Lewis. I'm just trying to think of a, of a current supercar driver that would do that in a like it, it, in a basically a stoppage and, get, and just walk straight up into the tower and, yeah. and confront a steward. Yeah, uh, without it's probably know. one or two. Yeah, well, yeah. Larry, per Larry Perkins used to do it frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, go on. Who would do it now? No, I, I, <laughs> no, no. That, that can be your lethal Maybe. weapon segment. You said you didn't have a lethal weapon segment for today. <laughs> so now you, we're all the spotlights on you. Give us a name. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, Boom. Maybe straight on speed cafe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I reckon that Massey's doing an amazing job and I reckon he's got the, re the respect from all the drivers as well this year. I think that they've, um, they've had a, a new, uh, a, a great le a level of racing this year and, and really tough racing, a little bit like what we've got at the moment where you've got your, your play on um, sort of thing that Beardo's created. Um, he's very much like Beardo in his approach, I think, but um, yeah, I, I think he's great. I think he's done great, great things for the sport. And it's mm. amazing how that position can change the sport so much. Yeah, we're all super proud of him. Who's been watching MotoGP? Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. All right, I'll throw it to any of you. But Lounsey, you spoke up first. Jack Miller, that, that's key, isn't it? When you can have a bad race, but bridge the gap in terms of the championship lead by a couple of points and, and still come away with, with eight points yourself is... That's a, that's a good sign, isn't it, sitting third in the title now? Oh, absolutely. I think he, you know, he's in a good position now. He's in, in a good team. Um, and, and I was going to also say before, when you brought up MotoGP, the beauty and I love about the sport, and you talk about just being pure and everything else, I love the fact that the difference between the bikes, like you know that as soon as you get on the straight, the Ducati is going to out, out yes. run yeah. everyone. But then you've got the, the versatility of the Yamaha. You know, you know, basically, it's, it's a rider's bike. You know, it does everything just nicely. Um, you know, even KDM have, have now stepped up. Like, it's just, it's a great um, difference. It's great viewing to watch because of the difference in the bikes. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, no one wants to win the title. Like, what about <laughs> Quattararo, like, like, oh my God, like, he won the first two races and he's 
He's barely figured since. It's incredible, isn't it, the intensity in that sport at the moment with Marquez gone? Well, I don't like talking it up because it's sort of a competitor for ratings points, isn't it? Never no, we're at night time. The more love for the more categories, the better. We've got a all on Fox Sports, like, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a funny... <laughs> it's a funny if you're a motorsport, even remotely a motorsport fan, you can't but not watch it. And I think, isn't it interesting? You know, I've often said, I don't know why Supercross also, Stubbsy hasn't... As big as it is, um, it hasn't taken off in the same way because the, the watching the physicality and the the yep. danger that the rider's exposed until is right in front of you. And then in our world, you know, we're obviously in a cabin in Formula One's world. They've now put a halo over the, the top of them. So we're becoming more submerged where you can visually see the rider and the commitment that it takes to do well. And the, the thing, and I hate to harp on about it, but they've done it so right for so long and they just keep dishing up week in, week out, great racing. And, you know, I just think there's some lessons that we can learn because at the end of the day, that's what our viewer wants to see, mm. right? And, and, and I think there's some good lessons to learn from the way they go about it. Yep, well said. Gentlemen, thank you for your time today. The, the three nicest guys in the lane and uh, we all got to hang out and have a chat. So really appreciate <laughs> you, you sharing your times and uh, insights and a few laughs along the way. Well, Gentlemen, that's the three of us, Stubbsy. I, I would have included Lounsey in that as well. And <laughs> I'll go with you. He's all right. <laughs> Larko, go get back to the bull. Thanks, mate. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the chat. Thanks, Cheers, Larko. Lounsey, thank you, mate. Uh, thank we'll see you. you, of course, all over the coverage uh, again this weekend. We appreciate your time. No Thanks, problem. Lounsey. Looking forward to it. And Lee, thank you, mate. Good luck. Get that car set up this weekend. And don't even worry about Taylor, Ben. Worry about winning Bathurst because we can't wait, to, <laughs> wait for that day, mate. We're looking forward to it. Uh, cheers, mate. Looking forward right. to it. Can't wait to go racing again. Feels like we've been on holidays. Like we've had a whole weekend off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get back to work, you bludger. Yeah, bloody hell. Uh, all right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Don't forget, everyone uh, that's listening in, you can subscribe to make sure you get our latest episodes straight into your list. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back uh, in the coming weeks. Take care.